Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Trending with Timory. I'm Patrick Conley taking up the mic in Timory's stead again. And uh, just in case you're looking for another podcast to add to the list, I got a couple to recommend tonight. The first is of a variety of interviews from the Relevant Radio show that I regularly host for the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis called Practicing Catholic. Just go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for Practicing Catholic Show. And uh, we'll get to the other podcast recommendation a little bit later in the show. I'd like to start tonight by telling you that I'm a convert to Catholicism. And just to share a little bit about my own conversion story, I was pretty heavily involved in evangelical Protestantism. And I went to study to become a minister in the Episcopal Church in an Anglican seminary in England. And it was there that I met two other American guys who were interested in the same kind of things that I was, liturgy, tradition, history, and sacraments. And these weren't a huge feature in our seminary classes. So the three of us, along with a few of our British colleagues, we started meeting weekly in the pub, of course, as you do, to talk about these things. And as you might imagine, when you start talking about liturgy, tradition, history, and sacrament, it wasn't long until somebody asked the question, well, what about those Catholics? I mean, they have all those things, and plus they claim to be the church founded by Christ himself. Well, long story short, the discussions, the arguments, uh, the laughing, the crying, commenced, and after a good long time, all three of us, all myself and my two American colleagues there who have become good friends, ended up becoming Catholic. Well, the reason I'm telling you all this tonight on Trending is that I am excited to welcome as my guest tonight one of the other American guys that I met uh, at that time and who was instrumental in my own conversion to the Catholic faith. as uh, And re- remember, though, he was not Catholic when he was being this instrument. Um, but now I hope that you will uh, understand what the Lord has done in his life when I introduce him as Father Bonaventure Chapman O.P. Father was born in Buffalo, New York. He has degrees in physics and theology, and he is a Dominican priest of the province of St. Joseph, the eastern province of Dominicans here in the U.S. He's a doctoral candidate in philosophy at Catholic University of America, and he also uh, co-hosts, along with some of his other Dominican brothers, the podcast, and here's the other podcasting recommendation, called Godsplaining, Godsplaining Podcast. So, Father Bonaventure, I'm very grateful that you have joined us here on Trending Tonight. Thanks for being with us. Patrick, it's a delight to be with you. Excellent. And it's good to be with you, my friend. And I'm looking forward to our discussion again. When We're going to be talking a bit about today about conversion 
as well as discernment. And we've got a lot to hear from uh, from you, Father, about that. And, you know, if there are others who want to join in the conversation, too, especially if you're maybe tinkering with, toying around with the idea of becoming Catholic, or if you're in the midst of discerning, especially a state-in-life vocation, I'd love to take your calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So, Father, let me start with the whole issue of conversion and your own conversion to Catholicism. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any idea of whereabouts that began? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, probably. Let me think first, though, and mention that this is a good topic for tonight, because, of course, tomorrow is the feast day of the conversion of St. Paul. St. Paul, who, yeah, that's right. Who is your patron saint. When you enter the Catholic Church, you get to pick up, you get friends. Uh, and you get a special friend in confirmation, and yours, yours is, so is is Paul, and uh, I think for the feast of the conversion because Paul gets two feasts. So I think your, yeah, your feast day is tomorrow, isn't it? No, oh, I'm having fun right now. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what's the vigil. <laughs> it's the vigil of the feast. It's the vigil. Um, so the, it is. Yeah, Catholicism. What? Well, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so Catholics were just kind of always around, I suppose. Mm. Um, and but what really, what really got me, or think about, I grew up in a, a Protestant family. Um, was uh, I went to a Catholic boys' school uh, for high school. So my uh, we didn't go. We went to public school through everything else. But in in high school, we went to a Catholic boys' school, Lasallian schools, Christian Brothers of Lasalle. Um, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful order. And went to St. Joe's Collegiate Institute in Buffalo. And I had so it was a Catholic school, and it was an all boys' school, which is a great education. Um, but it was the first time I was like introduced to religious men. You know, the brothers. Mm-hmm. Some of the brothers taught. They're they're brothers. They're an order of brothers, uh, not not priests, uh, but they're teachers. And and you had these men wearing black in front of, and there was just something about them that struck me as real and significant. And it just put down some roots, you could say, and brought some ideas to uh, about the seriousness of Catholicism. Uh, it was just again in the air. I mean, every fish fries and everywhere. Buffalo is a cult, Polish. Uh, Italian Catholic town, so sure. there was plenty of Catholicism around. But that was, the, I think, Saint Joe's Collegiate Institute with the, with the Lasallian brothers were kind of the the first experience of a, the seriousness of uh, of the faith. I would say. Yeah, and since you made a liturgical reference, I'm going to take the liberty to to it as well. But you said Lasallian brothers, but of course today is the feast day of Saint Francis de Sales as well. So that's right. All kinds of good stuff going on here, liturgically speaking. All right, so. Now, when I met you, this was back in 2005. Um, we met at our at our Anglican seminary there in England. And uh, by the way, I remember you were wearing a pink sport coat at the time. I believe. Oh yeah, you, know, you can't disappoint <laughs> the, uh, the the Brits. They're always expecting something special from America. That's right. Yes, yes. Um, we we were charged with uh, at one time or another introducing ourselves to the entire college, and uh, the Brits thankfully warned us ahead of time that uh, what you were supposed to do when you gave your introduction is you're supposed to be funny. So you're supposed to think of something funny. So uh, Father Bonaventure uh, at this time shows up with a wearing a pink sport coat, and he says, "I just want to know, want you to know that I am secure enough in my masculinity to wear pink." Yes, and uh, so as he did that, and so we so we met and we started this meeting, and it might even have been you. Now that I think about it, Father, who started um, talking about the Catholics. And uh, yeah, and then the discussion ensued. But let me ask you this. I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. At that point, when we started meeting, like how committed were you to Catholicism? I mean, how how much were you thinking, yeah, this this might be for me? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I was, we were, so we were Anglican ordinance is the British right. word for it, but seminarians, always nice to say ordinance, though it sounds more serious. <laughs> we were does. Anglican ordinance at that point. And um, so we had seminary, so, uh, but I went through the process of Central Florida, Diocese of Central Florida, which is brilliant, wonderful, very, very good uh, diocese down there uh, for the Episcopal Church. And to, before I went over there, and I remember one of the psych examinations, you have to take two, you have, the, you have you have to take more psych exams in the Episcopal Church than the Catholic Church, it seems. But um, <laughs> maybe there's just more time in the Catholic Church uh, to suss out the crazies. Maybe, maybe. But um, yeah, yeah, or yeah, what have you. And I remember with the psychi- the psychologist who was also a, he was a he was an Anglican priest, and we were talking about the results of one of these tests. And we spent a good amount of time talking about whether we would become Eastern Orthodox or Roman Catholic uh, hmm. when things when things fell down. <laughs> Which you might okay. is kind of a strange. You might. I mean, that was just a time in the Anglican Church and the in the Episcopal Church where stuff was being a little crazy it was, in two thousand five's yeah. time, as you know. And so it seems crazy for Catholics to hear this kind of stuff, but it was not crazy then. So I, mm. I had in my mind. I always thought. We'll put it this way. I'd always known the Catholics were right. I knew they were right. I just thought there was something righter. Like I knew they were. <laughs> I mean, no <laughs> one. You know, no one does Christianity like Catholics do liturgically, sacramentally, uh, the moral life. I was always convinced of the moral, the, the Catholic teachings on, 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 on sexuality, and it just seemed, and the family, and all of that. Mm-hmm. It just, there was nothing like it. I mean, even Calvin and Luther, of course, agreed with Catholics on, on these issues. And mm-hmm. if you can agree with Luther and Calvin on things, they must be something good. That's how I remember. So I'd always knew the Catholics were right. It was a question of whether they were the, whether there was something that was even better, yeah. you know? And you can, you, you can let the, Good, perfect, be the enemy of the good, and I think that's what I was kind of doing for a bit. Mm-hmm. So I, so I had, I had the idea at that point when we when we were there. I had no intention of becoming Catholic, you could say, um, but it was certainly obvious that the Catholics were a live option. But I had found you know the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church in particular, and it was this nice via media. I mean, it was you had you know Protestant doctrine and Catholic practice. What could who could want anything better than that? You know, that was I assume that's why you were attracted to it from the the Lutheran kind of evangelical background too. Yeah, the so. via media. I, I I do like that, but uh, didn't didn't. Uh, St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, didn't he kind of run that route and decide, nope, that's that's not it? Did, were you going to one-up Newman then in that? No, I well, I know. You just, I found if you um, if you read a, uh, John Cardinal Henry Newman's Apologia Pro Vita Sua, yep. um, the history of his life, uh, you just, I found that I was just tracking his life. He started as evangelical, and then he was an Anglican, and then he became Catholic. And I was tracking this, and I remember reading one summer and just thinking, oh, no. You know, he's tried to do what I tried, what I'm trying to do, and I didn't know anything really about him until I got to Oxford and kind of started reading him. And I thought, oh no! And I remember that second summer in seminary when I read the Apologia. I thought, well, that's it. That's really? too bad. Yeah, that was the moment. Really? I, I can tell you when I was sitting. Yeah, I remember kind of thinking, oh, this is probably it. And I remember that was the, at home. And then when I came back that summer for the there, I remember waking up one morning at Wycliffe at our college, mm-hmm. and I can still see it perfectly. It's one of these moments where I remember waking up and saying, I have no reason not to be Catholic anymore. Yeah. Like I'd spent time working on it. And yeah. if you don't have a reason, if you have a reason, if you don't have a reason to not be Catholic, that is a reason to become Catholic. <laughs> so I woke up that morning and realized, well, I don't have any objections. Therefore, you yeah. know, that's not true for like, say, Methodism or something. You could say, well, I don't have any reasons to be, to not be a Methodist, except that I'm not. And that's okay. That doesn't mean anything, yeah. Yeah. you know? 
or like okay. a Baptist. Or but if you're Catholics, if you don't have a reason not to be a Catholic, the one the one church, you know, you have if you're not protesting anymore, then you're joining. Yeah. So that's that's that was the experience. Yeah, that's right. That's interesting that you put it that way, Father, because uh, I had a similar experience in my in my own conversion, which came a couple couple years mm-hmm. after yours. But uh, but I yeah, it, it was just one of those things when all of a sudden things just kind of all fell into place. Uh, I was reading a I was reading a couple books on theological method, one of which written by hey one of your brothers, Father Aiden Nichols, OP. Oh sure. Um, and uh, when I, it was just right in the middle of that, I just. I remember the moment I, I looked up from the book and I just yeah. said, yeah, this is it. I, I'm, I think I'm ready. And my wife heard me and she said, I think I'm ready too. And yeah, wow. all the rest is history. Yeah, I know. It, it's just yeah, I didn't have the wife. Now. I didn't have the wife conversion thing, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> right. I think what's, what's important. I think it was interesting is that when you think you become a Catholic, it does not mean that you get everything at that point. It's this weird. Exp- I bet, I bet it's the same for you. There's yep. a point where you reach, you say, you know, I don't have any objection. It's not to say that I've got everything figured out, but a sense of which I had, I had like three or four or five or six or whatever, and they've all been solved, and there's still seven more to go. But to be honest, if the other six are so, so are, are so fine, this must be okay. Like you get the sense of I've got enough to go on, and yep. then and then you go from there. But it's never like people say I've got all these objections. I, I, when I answer all of them, you I think you'll find that it's not answering all of the objections. It's answering a bunch of them and realizing that. You know, the Catholic Church, it all fits together. And so mm. if any of few of them are answered, then you know ahead of time the other ones are going to be answered, even if you don't know what the answer is yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, and let me back up a little bit before before we get to the— oh, Because sure. I definitely want to dig into your vocational discernment as well, because that, that's another whole piece and one of the things that we want to draw out here in the show tonight. But I want to back up a little bit, and I distinctly remember in my own time of exploring Catholicism, becoming increasingly convinced. I don't think I was as far down the path as you were when we started this whole discussion, but no, um, but uh, as I became more and more convinced that, well, this seems right, and this seems right, and this seems right, like you were saying. But there was a time kind of in the in the murky middle ground here where I, I knew that I wasn't ready <clears throat> or that I couldn't perhaps go back to where I'd come from. Like I, I knew that I couldn't retreat back into some safe haven of Protestantism, whatever expression that may be. Um, mm-hmm. But I also knew that I wasn't ready to go forward. And I've talked with other people who have converted. And this this perhaps could be applied not just to converting to Catholicism, as it were, but maybe just even converting to Christianity, like becoming mm-hmm. a Christian, that there's this, there's this angsty time in which, yeah, there... I yeah I wasn't I wasn't sure I felt unfounded I felt unanchored. Um, did you ever have an experience like that or not really? No, that's a good question. I think because um, I think because Catholicism was kind of the the base note since when I was in that Lasallian school uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. It was always in the background, kind of humming, you mm-hmm. could say. And so when I dropped the various forms of Protestantism, I kind of remember I marched up the candle. I've started. Presbyterian, United to Christ, then Presbyterian, then some time with the Lutherans, and then Anglican. So I kind of wandered up. Up the candle, um, nice, very nice. So, yep. so uh, um, but <laughs> since Catholicism was kind of always there as like the candlestick uh, holder, you know, as a way, um, as I got rid of the other ones, there was still something that I was falling into. I think if it was, I think from your, yeah, I can get, but I get what people say when, if it's going from A to B, but it was always right. like there was A and B together, and then I went to just B by itself. That okay. kind of thing. I think that's okay. that's phenomenologically. I think what I was my experience. 
Well, I think one of the things that we're uh, we're hitting upon here is that um, the, although there are oftentimes similarities in conversion stories, I don't know that we can ever say that any one conversion story is exactly the same as any other because we're individuals. The Lord works with us in individual ways. He knows us individually. And, and uh, I mean, I guess we're back to Newman here, right? He looks on me no, individually, he calls me by my name, right? This yeah. Is sort of so a, my... I mean, my whole my whole family. Uh, my sister's, I think, in RCA right now. Um, so the whole family is, is 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 almost Catholic, you could say. Yeah. My mother was first, but each one of us is different, you know. I'm, I'm, I have a twin brother uh, who's a doctor, um, and he. Uh, um, for me, it was this deep questioning, questions about hermeneutics, about tradition, about scripture, all the intellectual kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I was with my brother, and he was uh, his, his last year of med school. And I was finishing my uh, my thesis uh, in Oxford, and he said one morning, "I was I was becoming Catholic," and he said, "Do you think Do you think these Catholics are right?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Okay," <laughs> and he became Catholic. Like he no, you know, didn't do any research in this kind. Of, like just not a big. It wasn't. That was just the thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was it was, but it, it reminded me how different exactly how many different ways there are to get into because. Each of the each person is different. Now, there's some similarities, of course. If you're yeah. if you're a philosophy nerd or something, you're going to be have a, something of a similar story to me. But nonetheless, there are many many ways in because his his love is infinite and mm-hmm. it expands infinitely on those who are around. So mm-hmm. that's right. There's there are commonalities in some ways, but oftentimes they're just very dramatically different stories. Yes, right. And uh, and I'm just thinking when you mentioned family members too, um, a couple years on from my own conversion, four years on from our entering the church. Uh, my wife and I was entering the church in 2010 is when I came into the church. Um, my my father entered the Catholic church at uh, the the nice young age of 89 years old. So yeah. and it happens at different times in life as well, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's different influences, but you always got to be looking to those bridges of trust. I mean, you're building bridges of trust across uh, with other people. You know what, Father? Um, it's, we need to take a little bit of a break, but this has been a great kickoff. If you're listening to us, then you uh, continue to listen because we're going to get more into, we're going to talk about conversion a little bit more, and then we're going to talk about discerning that will of God, that uh, love that expands upon us infinitely uh, right after these messages. So we'll be right back. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Timory tonight, and I'm speaking with my good friend, Father Bonaventure Chapman OP of the St. Joseph Province of the Dominicans here in the United States of America. And we are talking about conversion and discernment. So if you have a story to tell or if you have a question that you'd like to ask about a proper way of going about conversion and discernment, um, I will gladly defer you to my friend, Father. And uh, you can give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. So, Father, well, first of all, Father, remind me, uh, what what year were you received into the church? Oh, 2000. Oh, 2007, November 4th, so St. Charles Borromeo, 2007. I mean, it, it was so long ago. Yeah. You know, I was such a, just a wee lad. 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> a lot of water has gone under that bridge since. That yeah. has. Yeah. It's amazing how long. I mean, it it's is. Amazing. What have you, what have I done? You know, who knows? Yeah. yeah uh-huh, right. <laughs> and you were two, you were 2012? 2010. 2010. 2010 is when okay. yeah. yep, my wife and I were Your received wife. into yep. the church. Yes, and uh, great, brilliant uh, story. It's been, I, I can certainly say that for us, it's been an adventure ever since. It's been, um, but you know what? An adventure that is very, uh, we're very cognizant of God's presence throughout that. But uh, if you can, if you can stretch yourself all the way back again, um, looking at uh, looking at that time of discerning, at least entering the Catholic Church, and I'm guessing this is probably applicable to uh, discernment of a vocation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, clearly there was some intellectual investigation that needed to occur. But um, since since we're not just called to love God with our mind, which we are, but also with our soul and strength also, um, whereabouts, whereabouts do other elements come in, Father? I mean, there's that. What, what else should a person be doing as they're perhaps um, investigating Catholicism or trying to discern a state in life? I think you're right. It has to be a. It has to be more than just a matter of the head. It has to be a matter of the heart and the hands. Um, uh, this is why my patron uh, Saint Bonaventure talks about theology as a an affective science, a scientia affectiva, which is a, a science of the heart, not just of the he- of the head, um, mm. which we as Dominicans might think sometimes. And so, <laughs> you can you can you can read your way into the church in a way, but when you get there, you might find that there's no one that you're by yourself in a way. Like it has to be experience of people too. It has to. You have to meet the body of Christ. It's not just a matter of entering into the the church that has the best doctrine. It does. It definitely does. But a church that has the best life too. You know. So it's a matter of of, of getting to know, spending time with 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 other Catholics. I think this is what RCA at its best, in some ways, is meant to do. Because, I mean, I've taught RCA before, and you think, oh wow, how are we going to fill up this whole time? But as you realize, and you've taught RCA as well, there's just so much to say. There's just, there, yes. I mean, how can you, you know, if you if you had to make sure that you said all those to be said before people became Catholic, no one would ever become Catholic. So <laughs> that is true. You don't, you can't, you can't fill in all of the. You find out it's it's about getting people to trust and to know each other and love each other, and in that experience of of go, growing with a group and with other people, going to mass. So I mean, I went to, you know, I went to mass. Uh, when I was in, even when I was in Oxford, I went to Catholic Mass when I thought about, when I was thinking about com- converting. Uh, and then when I was waiting to be received, I would go to Mass all the time, and I uh, didn't receive, just sat, and uh, and was a part of the, the worship, of course, because your obligation is is to, to attend Mass, not to receive. That's not an obligation of yours, but it's a gift and a grace to do that if you're prepared. So, but I was there, and I was... I was attached to the parish. I was living the liturgical life. I was getting used to it. So it's more than just feeling out in the mind, you could say, the kind of ins and outs of logical inference, but also a matter of feeling on the heart and the voice and, and everything else that goes into worship. So that's that aspect of worshiping, praying. Um, now, I'd pray the rosary, bizarrely enough, even during college. We had four Catholics on my hall when I was, in, I was at Grove City College. Protestant college, great college, and uh, and I was a R- I was an RA, and I had four Catholics on my hall, and I was not, of mm. course, Catholic at this point, um, but they wanted to pray the rosary, so every Wednesday I would pray the rosary with them, wow. at, at you know Wednesday, and and do prayer with them, and uh, so and I thought it was yeah, it's fine, whatever, you know, I, I so but I, so the rosary had already been there, 
Uh, so, but but at those devotional exercises, and again, there's there there are plenty of devotions when you realize the Catholic Church is loaded. But that's because it's loaded with people across time and space, you know. Yeah. But there's plenty of opportunities there. So to to involve yourself in some devotion is an, a very important step to to conversion to entering more fully into something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, very good. I I like that. It's a it's a very a comprehensive look, and and that's true because it is the whole person that needs to convert to Christ. It's not just the mind, as you said, Father. We've got a couple of phone calls coming in here, so let's uh, oh, let's take one no. of those. Um, we've okay. got Aaron who's calling in from Queen Creek, Arizona. Aaron, you're on trending with Timory. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. Sure. Uh, I I am in the process of converting to uh, the Catholic Church from. Uh, a Latter-day Saint. My husband converted about two years ago, and wow. all of our children were baptized this last Easter, and I'm in the process of doing uh, OCIA right now. And I, have, I think my, my the biggest question I'm struggling with right now is how do I know what truth is? Because what I was taught in uh, the, the LDS Church, the Mormon Church, is that you are supposed to pray, um, and if you feel kind of these warm fuzzies, and uh, then that's what truth is. And so you're supposed to rely mostly on your uh, emotions, and and I don't want to say anything negative about the church, but it, it it's not as much intellectual as, as I've seen the emphasis put on the Catholic Church. So I, um, I'm just wondering how I can, how I can know what that, what that truth is when I feel like I've, I, I thought the LDS church was true, you know, and so I'm I'm having some doubt at whether or not I I even have any credibility whatsoever to know what truth is. Um, that's a great that, question. That's, that's my question. Yeah, that's a great question, Aaron. Father, what do you think? How would you respond? Aaron, to that? that's well, that's awesome. That's great. Um, it is, and you know, I think maybe Patrick lined you up for Dominicans because this is what we. What we do is is truth fairy toss is our is our motto, and I, I think it is it is important to remember uh, that truth has a subjective and an objective pole to it. You could say this is subjective sense of our feeling certain, so certainty how we how we feel, but then there's the objective sense of of the actual truth quality, which is it's is a question about is this consistent, coherent, and reflect reality, and the Catholic Church has been deep in the business of using the mind. Unlike the Protest- our Protestant brethren, you could say, who were who are suspicious of the mind and switch tend to switch to the to the um, the emotions. Uh, this is true for for the the kind of evangelical tradition. And Latter Day Saints is a not a, you know Protestant in that way, but still a more subjective appropriation, you could say, more of trusting your feelings. The Catholic Church has always said that feelings are important. Of course, that's why the smells and the bells and all that stuff there. We're we're whole people, as Patrick said. But that the mind and the will are crucial, and that the mind is how you love something first. You you need to know something before you love it. You know, I can't say I love vanilla ice cream if I don't know what it is, but if I know what it is, then I can either love it or hate it. And the Catholic tradition throughout history has been attentive to the fact that God gave us minds, that He is uh, the Logos, He is the Word, He is truth, and that we have minds that can grasp it. And the thing is, even if you don't feel like this something might be true, you can work it out on paper in the Catholic faith. That's the interesting part about it. Now, not everything. So, for instance, I cannot give you a, a knockdown, drag-out 
you know, proof of the Trinity, but I can show you that there's nothing incoherent rationally about it. Even if I don't feel like it, I still have actual, like, logical reasoning processes. And it's no different than any of our reason in anything. We ask, how many, is, is that a bird outside? Is it really a bird outside or not? Well, I don't know. What kind of bird is it? This kind of thing is going through the steps of, of asking questions, the logical steps. And the Catholic Church has said, always said, bring it on. That's different than, say, some, Protest- some of the Protestant churches that worried about the, the mind being affected by the fall. But the Catholic Church, if you're ever in doubt about whether something's true or not, you can just start running arguments. You can start thinking it and tr- trusting that you can grasp truth that's separate from feeling it. It should, be, it should feel good to know the truth. We all feel that, but the truth is not just the feelings. But I get you the sense of once you've been given a system and told that it's true, that you're skeptical, you can be skeptical of, of other systems. This was true, I think, for, I mean, any convert, right? Patrick is the same way as me, I suspect, is we had truths, you know, um, mm-hmm. the Protestant faith. And then the question is, well, how did those work out from here? One final point about this is that you might find that actually it's it's not that Everything in the Mormonism was wrong, for instance, but rather you're fulfilling what was true there already. C.S. Lewis talks about like the, the the myths that are hidden in these other religions and such, and I think that's true for that for Catholicism too. So I would say trust trust reason um, instead of feelings, uh, because that's what we really don't have any choice. If we don't trust reason, we're not humans anymore. We're just kind of animals, pure animals instead of rational animals. Mm. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, is that helpful to you? Yes, yes. Um, I think it's just, I, I I don't know when I will feel like I know enough um, to actually commit, because I, I, one, of my, one of my biggest fears is if, uh, if I don't believe with my whole heart and soul that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and I, and I take it, I feel I've I'll be making a mockery of it, and I'm terrified mm. of that. So it's mm. like I just want to have this, like deep, like I know that's what the, yeah. that's what we did. Every kid would get up at the pulpit at five years old and say, "I know the church is true. I know." And so I feel like I have to have this, yeah. knowledge. And and if not, then I, I'm I'm not I'm not ready to join. When now I'm willing to live the life. I'm praying the rosary. I'm I'm checking all the boxes. Um, I've had little beautiful miracles and, and things happen, but I, I just don't know. I don't know when is enough, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, one, praying to, I mean, praying, praying to Christ and the Holy Spirit to help with this too. But also don't, I would say, don't set the bar so high for belief because it, it, we, we're, as Catholics, we're very rational, rational people. And especially the Dominican kind of tradition is very, we, we St. Thomas Aquinas and all this, we're willing to run arguments and I will debate all day long, I'm a philosopher by nature and by training. But mm. also, don't let, don't forget that it is a matter of faith, which is not the same as just feelings, but it is rather this kind of trusting of this. I want this, and this isn't against anything. And there's, it seems plausible in all of this. So, like for instance, with the Eucharist, right? Um, there will probably be no point where you understand the Eucharist, like you get it. I get it. God became. The comes down and ta- and so changes substances such that it only appears bread and wine. I totally understand that. There's not. There's not. You're not going to understand that. Like mm. comprehend that in a, in the way that I know who I am. That I'm sitting here in Washington D.C. talking on the on on a to a speaker right now. 
Um, but I can have a sense of, yeah, there's something, I, I do believe that he's present there. I do believe in the church's teaching on this. I trust the, I trust the church in all these things, and it teaches this. I do have a sense of adoration. I don't know if you've been to adoration, um, but just putting yourself in the front of the Blessed Sacrament, just being present there, there's some sense of, yeah, this seems totally fitting. So it's it's still, it's not a leap of faith, but there is an aspect of faith to these things that says, I don't get it all, but I'm I, but I get enough of it, and I feel I feel confident enough in the other things that I know are true to go ahead with this. So don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I would say in some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great recommendations, Father. Thank you for that, Aaron. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that A wonderful, wonderful way in just uh, unpacking. Um, from somebody who's in the midst of it. I mean, again, just uh, I could I could feel some of that. We were talking about that earlier, some of that mm. conversion angst going on there that uh, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm quite there. But uh, Aaron, I tell you what, we'll be praying for you. I'm sure our listeners will be praying for you as well. And so just continue on down the path. Let's let's keep it going. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Uh, Father, we got one more that I think we can take here before we have to take another break. Um, we've got Lee, who's calling in from Sandusky, Ohio. Lee, welcome to the program. Thank you. I um, So my, my, I became Catholic in 2011. My process was kind of long. Um, first of all, I, I, I had been very active in the Lutheran Church um, when I was in my teens and went to college and kind of fell off fell off the bus, so to speak. And um, my husband was Catholic, and he was a cradle Catholic. But he was he, he had he he always believed, but he didn't practice his Catholicism with um, ardor, so to speak. And um, so I was kind of exposed to it through him. And one night, I felt God calling me to start reading the Bible again, and so I did. I started reading it in one chapter every night, no matter how tired I was, until I went through the whole Bible. And um, my husband would say, what are you reading? And I'd say, the Bible. And no opportunity for discussion, nothing like that. What are you reading? The Bible. And um, so finally, he kept saying to me, I, I bought countless um, books on Catholicism. I was, I, I had my own library, and um, my husband kept saying, "Why don't you talk to Father?" No way, no, I am not doing that. So finally, um, I, I scrounged up my courage and I went to the priest and I said to him, "You know, look, I, I, I consider you my church. I've been sitting in your pew for thirty-two years, hmm. literally." And I said, however, doctrinally, I really don't know much more than I did the first day that I came in. I said, I know all the songs, all the responses and everything else, but I don't know why you do what you do. So I want to go to RCIA, but you need to know I am not joining. So am I going to have a problem with you when this is all done? I, I said, am I like going to have to avoid you because there's going to be this thing between us after you answer my interminable questions? And he said, no. No, this is not for everyone. And um, he said, that's why the process is long. And he said, we want you to be as sure as you can be when you join that it's the right thing for you. So I went into RCIA and um, I noticed that everybody in the class was saying, when I join, I will. And I was saying, if I join, I will. And I got to probably halfway through the class. And one day I heard myself say, 
when I join, and I knew the decision had been made and it wasn't mine. Wow. Wow. So um, I can yeah. relate to the girl who was who called in before mm-hmm. me. Um, I had the same problem with the Eucharist and, you know, um, look, and I did exactly what you said. I went to adoration and I went to adoration in the middle of the night, like mm-hmm. at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. I had, I, I would substitute for people who, you know, couldn't go that night. And, um, and my attitude about it was, you know what, there's, I've come so far. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the work on that. Because I think that's I the. Can't, Right. I I think that's, I mean, right there, then and there, there's that, there's that element of um, recognizing that, you know what, at the end of the day, if God wants this, he's the one who has to, you know, has to bring me around to it, right? I mean, it is, it's, uh, yeah, it's following his lead in that. Father, let me, let me let you uh, jump in and, and respond to this a little bit, too. Yeah, Leah, it's great. Congratulations and welcome. And uh, from Lutheran background, it's great. And the, the, again, the stories are different from people and the time they spent in the church. But I think it's, it's you mentioned about the the decision being made and such. And uh, you know, I think what Protestants, if you're a Protestant and and you think about converting, what you'll find is actually the Catholic Church has more Protestant stuff, more Protestant feeling truly than than you would imagine, because you. We have a discussion. We feel like we're being drawn. Catholics feel like the decision's made for us. Where they tend to—the story is Catholics are all, like, free will people, and we do our own thing, and we're works righteousness, and we try to gain our way to heaven, we pray to—we <laughs> worship saints and all this kind of stuff. We don't believe in grace and all this. And it's exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite, because I think you do feel, in the Catholic Church, that— you are being drawn to this. You are the one who's being—it's not It's not you who are propelling yourself forward, but rather you're answering a response and a call to the beauty, the power, the strength, the witness, whatever aspect or facet of the Catholic Church that's drawing you, you feel compelled to join, mm-hmm. I think. It's not really your choice. It's a matter of removing obstacles, mm-hmm. I would say. That's, again, my, my big thing was— I had to remove a bunch of obstacles, but once they, I removed the op, some of the obstacles, the other ones, I just felt like drawn along by it, such that I, I there was an inertia I couldn't not, mm-hmm. um, and that's the that's so that's why I get about your story. And I think that's good to to remind people that it's it's not you sitting in a room and deciding whether I should believe X or or do Y, but rather feeling a call uh, through a particular circumstances of God drawing you into His church and into His presence. Yeah, yeah, very good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lee, for the call. Excellent story, excellent uh, and process, and I will join Father in offering my congratulations and welcome. So grateful that you that you uh, have made the decision to come to the church. We need to make take another short break here on Trending with Timory, and we are speaking with Father Bonaventure Chapman, OP, our guest for this evening, uh, talking about conversion and discipleship. And we're going to have more right after this break, so don't go anywhere. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Patrick Conley. Grateful to be sitting in for Timory this evening. And I my gratitude also goes out to Jim Schaefer, who's producing the show for us tonight, and Patrick Alog. 
taking your phone calls. And my guest, Father Bonaventure Chapman, OP, talking about conversion and discernment. And uh, Father, I want to want to jump back in. Okay, so after you became Catholic, did you know? Did you know pretty much right away, or did you know going into it that there was likely a call to the priesthood there as well? Well, you know, I'd I'd felt since I was fifteen uh, a call to the ministry, and uh, and you know. And that kind of changed what that meant as we're going first Presbyterian minister and then Anglican priest. And then, uh, so it, it always been there. So I tried to separate out. I tried to make sure that, you know, even though it's impossible to separate, it was to- not entirely possible to separate the conversion Catholicism did not mean conversion to, to Catholic priesthood, you mm-hmm. know, so that, that I was becoming Catholic, even if I wasn't, wasn't to enter the priesthood. Uh, but my, my desire was still, and all you know, was still to be a priest. Uh, to yeah. still serve in that way, to love Christ in a particular way. Of course, the priesthood for—I'm um, not a parish priest, I'm a religious priest, you could say, right. and not that they're not religious. I'm religious in the technical term, uh, mm-hmm. not secular priest. They live in the world, but live in the monastery. You get to wear a funny habit um, and, uh, <laughs> and and pray psalms together. So I'm a different kind of priest, uh, but th- that which isn't available in the Protestant tradition, but oh my goodness, uh, is it fantastic, just fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I, <laughs> well, I, I tried to separate the two out, but but um, I kind of knew I can, I just let's put it this way I suspected that God who had begun a good work in me would bring it to fulfillment this sort mm, of thing. So mm-hmm. I think he was kind of there. A little more Saint Paul for the vigil of the conversion of Saint Paul. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, Father. And uh, you know, just to just to follow on in that too, any specific things? Um, you know, there there may well be um, some folks who are listening to the mm. show tonight who are maybe called to a religious vocation. Any? Yeah. I mean, is there some similarities in terms of discernment sure. and and that way as well with stuff we've already been talking about? Yeah. This is this is. So important. Um, <clears throat> discernment of the religious vocation. So religious vocation is, is a life lived with Christ in a particular way um, that takes on penitential forms, but really is a, a shared life with the body of Christ in a particular community, whether it be Jesuits or Dominicans or Franciscans or uh, Carthusians or Benedictines or th- tons, 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 and male and women, men and women. And this is not a, this is not a mysterious, weird group that like people are... St- all of a sudden called out, like rapture, taken from their jobs. Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to become a, a Dominican or something. It's rather the natural fulfillment in a way, through supernatural grace, of the desires that everyone has to live together in the body of Christ with with Christ in a particular way. Now, I think people think discernment, whether it's priesthood or religious life particularly, is this thing like um, you have a natural life, and then you may or may not get a funny call. Like you make, it'd be absolutely clear to you but I think that makes discernment a weird thing, as if God didn't have anything to do with your nature, or your own desires, or your upbringing, or your background, or your likes, but rather just out of the blue sends you this message and says, get reports like military, being called to the military, dra- drafted or right. something. Like, here it is. And you say, I don't want to go to the draft, I don't want to fight this war, and, but maybe you get used to it. But that is not how discernment ought to work if you understand how God made us that if we are living the sacramental life, if we're living the state of grace, uh, then that affects our whole outlook, our intellect, our wills, our passions, such that what we desire should be directed towards the good. And that you can, whether you should, whether you should become a, a religious or a priest or something, it has to do with whether you desire this sort of thing. And you might think, again, no, I can't, well, desi- I don't desire this something like that, but if you desire to love the Lord in a very close way, and you think that he's the most important thing in your life, 
then why wouldn't you desire potentially to live a religious vocation? I think people think it's a weird thing that people get special messages about, but it's not a weird thing at all. It ought not to be weird. It's only weird contingently, historically, because we don't see many of us around. But this was not a weird thing, and it ought not to be weird in a Christian culture if the religious life is living out the, the, the life of Jesus, the vows, the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, obedience, a little taste of heaven here. If we all want heaven, and if religious life is an attempt to live some of heaven here, well, why not just go for it now? You yeah. know? Now, if you're married, it's great. Marriage is a wonderful thing, too, of course. The Bible starts with marriage, ends with the marriage, wedding banquet with the lamb, this kind of thing. Paul says this marriage is the symbol. But at the same time, the, the marriage in the religious life, you could say, uh, is a foretaste. We're supposed to be witnesses, poor witnesses, to uh, eternity. And so why not bring some, why not, you know, maybe why not, why not give it a try? That's the yeah. other thing is, discernment is there's no, you don't need to decide, yes, I'm going to do this, obviously, now my next 40 years is picked out. If you have an inkling that you might want to love Jesus in a radical way, maybe give it a go. Yeah. Don't worry, there's plenty of time. There's a whole dating process and then a going steady process and an engagement process and all of that. You can't just join the religious order immediately. Uh, it's a long process. But it's it, but to, to start it is to, is to answer is the question, do I desire to love Jesus in a particular radical way? And if so, maybe maybe this is for me. Maybe this no. is for me. It's a good question that everyone, every Catholic who's not married should ask. Wow. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, Father, I tell you what, we're going we're gonna to try to squeeze in one more phone call here. We've got Great. John who's calling in from Fontana, California. John, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to relay my experience. I was a Jehovah's Witness converted to Catholicism, and um, a lot of things, the, a couple of callers ago, she was saying, when would when would she know, you know, but um, as far as, like, the true presence. So, I mean, to me, John chapter 6, if you read that and you actually uh, have a concordance to make sure whatever you're reading, <laughs> like Joe's Witness, they print their own Bible, so you can't really go off of every word they say because they change the words in the Bible to suit what they want you to believe. So if you have a concordance, make sure the word is correct. And John chapter 6, I mean, that's what Jesus said. This is my body, this is my blood. So it, it, that was one of the things. And then the um, early church fathers, St. Justin mm -hmm. Martyr and, and, and others that from the time of Christ, that's what they taught, the true presence. And also the Trinity was another big one for me to believe in the Trinity. And uh, mm -hmm. so early church fathers going all the way back to the beginning, and, you know, the succession from, from St. Peter on. Um, where, where else would I go besides the Catholic Church? So, I hope the lady's still <laughs> listening. And and yes, if you if you actually go back to the beginning and say where would I go if I don't if I'm not a a Seventh Day or a, a Jehovah's Witness, uh, what do you choose? So that that was mine. I I, I went all mm -hmm. the way back to the beginning, and uh, if you go to the succession from Saint Peter, there was no break in that. So yeah, there's nowhere else to choose but the Catholic Church. Yeah, that's, uh, John, thank you so much. The beautiful witness, uh, Cardinal John Henry Cardinal Newman, um, we talked about the start of this episode, my way into the, the, the church said, to cease to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. Yeah. One of the things that got him was he went back, he was working on the church fathers, as you said, John, and just realized that if, if Irenaeus, if Peter, if Paul, if Augustine, if Ambrose, if any of the early church, within early church guys, had showed up today, 
where would they worship? Where would they worship? Like, mm-hmm. what would be the closest to them? And his conclusion, and it's the right conclusion if you actually read the history of the early church, is they would go to the Catholic Roman Catholic Church, they would go to their local parish church, and they would feel most at home there. Now, of course, it looks a little different today because they we have lights and they didn't. Um, but still, nonetheless, the, the the basics, the rudimentary stuff. If you go back on one, is the, the Didache is an early church document, and it describes the liturgy of the in the first century, and it is just basically a Catholic mass. It sounds just like the masses that you go that we go to on Sundays. There's been this deep tradition, so that's good. Also, the other thing talking about is the John six issue. I think so much of it to me. Yeah, it comes down to Jesus. We can forget what the church has a lot of practices and has a lot of institutions, a lot of other things. But at the end of the day, the whole shooting match is about Jesus Christ. And if I want to be with him, I want to be with him. And the Catholic Church makes the claim that she is the true outworking custodian of a relationship with him in its mm-hmm. fullness way. He, of course, meets other places, but that this is the home. He has other way stations, but this is his mansion. This is where he set up, and it follows his rules. And you'll find that if you read the New Testament, if you read and if you read about Jesus, you'll find that scripture, the church is inundated with Christ, inundated with him. And you will find him there, not only in the Eucharist and adoration, the sacraments, but also in all the readings, in all the gestures of the priest. There's imitation of, he's there. And the point is is that the doctrines, the other things, as crucial as they are, they are all means to him. And if you trust and believe in him, then they will start to fall in place too. So yeah. it's this kind of circle aspect of coming to the Catholic Church for Jesus, but then Jesus helping to remind you that, hey, he says, This is my blood, this is my this is my flesh and this is my blood. If you don't if you don't eat and drink this, then you won't have life within you. And it's whether you trust Jesus or not. And that's so this reminder that it's, it's Jesus that we care about, and Catholicism is how we get to him. Wow, that's great, Father. Thank you. Thank you, John, for the call. Thank you, Father, for that. Father, you got about a minute left to uh, introduce us to God-splaining just before we let you go. Oh, yeah, it's a silly podcast we do. No, um, if you want to hear, it's five, five Dominican friars. We sit at, we have guests, we have things. We Two of us sit down, and basically it's, it's Dominicans are kind of smart and quirky and funny, and so if you get two of us together on any particular topic— um, we will we will make we will have some enjoyable discussion that'll be both content rich the intellectual life cultural literature movies theology philosophy um, but also lighthearted and hopefully practical for people's lives so feed the mind feed the heart that's the goal all right very good uh, yeah I am a I'm a regular listener of God's planning and I would recommend it to anyone who wants to check it out these guys are great they're fun to listen to and there's very rich content as hopefully you've gotten a taste of here on trending with Timory tonight my thanks to you father Bonaventure for joining me for the hour uh, it's been great to have you on the program thanks for being here father thanks Patrick really appreciate it well, that's going to wrap it up for us here uh, on Trending with Timory. I'm so grateful that you joined us for the hour. Thank you for listening. If you missed anything, you can always go back and listen to the episode on the show page on RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Of course, uh, we've got the family rosary across America coming up next. Father Rocky and Maggie are ready to take it off, take it over. And uh, as Father said, hey, if you're praying the rosary, that could be a great step in conversion and discernment. Thanks for joining us here at Trending with Trimery. God bless you richly.
You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Across America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.